Welcome back to a brand new episode of Two Please. I'm your host Abin, and I'm your co-host Rohit. Rohit, it has been a while since we've done this. Uh, for various reasons, uh, mm. Abin has had a spot of multiple diseases, dengue predominantly. <laughs> Primarily in, in in the last month or so in in November that is. So Abin's been uh, in recovery. I've been saddled with a bunch of work on the work front. So it's all been like we've had to sort of push this. Uh, on the back burner that said um, you will start seeing a little bit more consistency from us uh, in fact december i believe we've already put two episodes out and mm-hmm. uh, hopefully this one will be out before the year ends as well so yeah, yeah going forward there will be a little bit more consistency that said abin what are we talking about today well uh, it's the christmas season so it's only accurate that we talk about a christmas film right so we've spoken about this movie on prior episodes i think about 2 years ago we did uh, an episode on it where we mentioned it in passing uh, and i think the episode is called harry potter and the chris columbus movie i think that's what it's called uh, but considering that we have now officially moved into the deep dive territory uh it's we are now focusing all our efforts on this one film that came out in 1990 and that is the 1990 box office smash hit home alone directed by chris columbus written by john hughes starring macaulay culkin who went on to become a household name joe pesci who had a very weird year uh yeah. daniel stern and and catherine o'hara to name a few with a cameo by john candy thrown in there for good measure this film has predominantly uh, been a huge part of our childhoods for uh, i know a lot of us have grown up watching home alone even so much so that, that i watched it in prep for this episode last week and it was the most the sixth most watched film on hotstar so it's definitely wow. back yeah back in the popularity charts though it's not just an american phenomenon as people like to believe this film is beloved globally i'm guessing that was because it was the season right i'm, I'm mm-hmm. the fact that it was in the top 10 i'm guessing that's not the case here around which would be bizarre <laughs> yeah But, i know uh, also this movie is wrapped up in a lot of nostalgia right and i think in the course of the episode i am going to try and make an effort to be as objective as possible and and not let my i mean to a certain degree obviously i want my experiences to color my opinion but uh, i'm sure the movie has its faults as well i don't want it to be this you know warm nostalgic blanket where hey it was great mm-hmm. so like you said it's inextricably tied to uh, our childhoods growing up so yeah mm-hmm. before before we uh, start dissecting the movie any further let's start the show In their rush to the airport, the McAllisters overlooked one minor detail. Now, his parents have a problem. I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Two burglars are in trouble. We know that you're in there. And Kevin is in heaven. Home alone. Ready PG starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Okay. So Home Alone uh, 1990 uh, as said before in the introduction directed by Chris Columbus uh, let's get into first impressions uh, Rohit what did you think of this film when was the first time you watched it this movie is obviously a year older than us I think I was I watched it around 2000 2001 because I remember I was in Dubai and this was again on one of those CDs that you buy off the road right that that's I had watched it on one of those CDs Mm and just to like preface this point not just 
I mean, at large for this episode, personally, I'm like Christmas for us isn't super relevant in India, right? Uh, yeah. uh, since we don't celebrate it at home. For you, maybe slightly more because you were in a convent school. So, you know, you have the trappings that go along with it. Mm. I, I grew up like 2000 to 2005, I was in Dubai, right? Famously, <laughs> and not, not very, not very uh, Christmassy. Yeah. So, you know, you, you don't have uh, vistas of desert dunes in Christmas movies. With, with uh... Anyway, I mean, I'm not going to delve into it too much. Like you said, famously anti-Christmassy. So, um, that plus generally, I'm not big on festivals. I think festivals in general, I, like, you know, in India, it's festivals are more like mass gatherings of relatives and where you have to put on niceties. And yeah, already, I think by age 12, I was already too old for it. <laughs> Uh, so in that sense, I, I don't, like people have that association with the movie as well, right? We, they watch this movie around the time when it's, uh, it's meeting relatives, it's Christmas. We don't have those associations as much. Uh, so I'm able to look at this movie purely as, Hey, it's a nice feel good movie. So that's how I watched it. Yeah. Even when I was a kid, uh, in fact, this wasn't the first Home Alone movie I'd watched. The first Home Alone movie I'd watched was Home Alone 3, which I think had released around that time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when I watched that, that was the funniest shit ever, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, it it still is a nice movie. I I obviously put the original on a much higher pedestal today, but uh, I was introduced to the whole concept through Home Alone three. I was like, wow, this is just hilarious. And then I watched this. Uh, first impressions, like I could say, right off the bat, you could even as a kid, I could feel that this this guy Kevin McAllister has presence. Macaulay Culkin. That's that's the thing that. Uh, I think really differentiates him from other child actors, right? Is he has presence, he has charm, and I could sense that even as a kid. Same for uh, Joe Pesci. Obviously, at that point, I didn't know this is the outlier mm. in his filmography, right? So yeah. Know, who is this? Who's you know stout, short, funny guy? I'm, I'm sure he does a lot of other funny stuff. And then growing up, I look at his filmography, I'm like, nope, he does not. Uh, but yeah, I remember. Uh, laughing a lot i think my favorite gag was the whole iron the, you know the uh, clothes iron hitting mm. uh, mom in the mm. face and that's yeah. very like you know it's like burnt into my brain that that scene uh, i remember laughing a lot i remember even back then sort of rolling my eyes a little at the whole uh, christmas it's christmas so you know that old man helping i'm like okay bro this alpha corny territory it's going into but i'll allow it so yeah, it's a great feel-good movie, but it's not without its faults. That was my first impression, even as a kid. And for more, uh, what do I say, Schol- scholastic reasons, I still feel the same. <laughs> okay, uh, I I mean, this movie obviously is not without its faults, it, but it is the definition of nostalgia goggles. Uh, and I say this not because it is aged the way it has. If you watch the film, the film is tinted with like this blue, this sepia, like this bright nostalgia filter. And it instantly makes you feel warm. So I watched this movie maybe, what, 97, 98 on a VCD as things were popular on the time. Yes, children, we are that old. Um, VCDs were a thing. VCDs, LDs, and then DVDs. I think a lot of people are aware what DVDs are. But we went from VHS tapes to to laser discs to uh, video CDs to DVDs, right? So I watched it on a VCD from my local VCD guy who lived across, whose store was across my house. 
and obviously it was uh, had a great time with it didn't think of it much uh, for me i kind of it kind of kick started my obsession with macaulay culkin in the 90s so i ended up chasing down most of the films he ended up watching some of them scarred me and have scarred me for life uh, which is primarily being the good son i had no idea what it does that film is advertised purposefully uh, wrongly because you it looks like this heartwarming tale uh, on the cover and then once you start watching the film it's almost like a horror film like what the hell uh and then the other being my girl which has a heartbreaking ending and then richie rich of course is is another childhood favorite of mine uh starring macaulay culkin so big part and i think macaulay culkin was also my my gateway to michael jackson uh because the first music What video i ever saw was put that <laughs> yeah i know but but it's just like you know for you you remember you see uh you you see that that one popular kid and then i think this was the time dangerous was released so with dangerous came this huge laser disc uh for the video for black or white and macaulay culkin is is of course a big part of it rohit is like bastard stop laughing <laughs> i am trying so hard to come up with how can i spin this into a a michael jackson joke and the other half of me is like why do you want to do this dude yeah why it's fine huh? anyway so um this this film kick started a lot of my um obsession with films with other films and because that's this is how i tend to uh navigate most films i like these days if i find an actor that i really enjoy uh, i really enjoy their performance i tend to just go chase the filmography so if i were to trace it back to the very start it's probably the macaulay culkin uh, home alone situation so uh i watched this movie again i hadn't seen it in decades so i watched it a couple of times growing up but then i reached a point where i just didn't go back to it i don't know for what reason uh i watched home alone lost in new york a couple of years ago but i haven't seen the original in years and last sunday was a bit of a, a slow sunday a sad sunday so i said okay i'm going to sit down and watch home alone and i had a really nice time with it by the end of it i was uh, like i felt good and i don't know what it is about me these days the older i get the the more emo i get in films so i just <laughs> home alone as the sequence with the old man i'm like oh my god i'm i'm tearing up here what's happening so i guess it's just uh, i think this phase of my life where this this movie is like a warm comfort blanket and i don't look mm-hmm. at it as anything else it's just like good comfort food that you need on a cold day when when things are shit and especially during christmas because we talked you spoke about the holidays and about how like it's a gathering but the holidays historically have been the loneliest times of the year uh even let's say with the american traditions of thanksgiving everyone goes back and spends time with their families but if you've followed threads and conversation mm-hmm. probably the worst time because families get together and a lot of stuff that's been buried under the surface comes out so i think this is obviously the um the cleaner version of it even i wouldn't say the cleaner version because there are parts the early parts of the film highlight what chaos unfolds in a household where there are two families currently staying so yeah. it captures that but obviously it's more it, it has a more lighthearted take and i g- see why people gravitate gravitate towards it during the holiday season because it is oddly comforting i think if that if i had to describe it in one word comforting would be nostalgic/comforting mm-hmm. would be that word Yeah. But great. Um, those are our first impressions. Now, anything you want to talk about the actors, 
stuff on set anything interesting i think we should do that now in the bts section so uh, i watched a bunch of uh, footage from behind the scenes i watched a little documentary video yeah. on it as well um so this film was originally written by john hughes in two weeks or rather he wrote it on a, on a weekend yeah. and john hughes yeah. at the time was just writing scripts every other weekend getting them made because that's how good he was right yeah and uh, he took it to warner brothers and one brother said uh, okay if you can do it for 10 million it's a kids film we'll do it and then they went and they built the sets like obviously they found a house in in the in the wealthy part of the, the chicago suburbs but they built the entire house in a gym um and by the time they were ready to roll the budget had skyrocketed to 14 million one brother said yeah. yeah no and so the story goes is that one brother was basically running going around the um, going around the offices of the teams involved in in the shoot and shutting them down saying go home this film is over and at the same time john hughes had kind of gone to fox and said I have this film this is this I have this guy he's going to be he did, I did a movie with him called Buck he's going to be a star this movie is going to do well uh and uh and 20th century fox said yes so the guy so behind the wall brothers rep the the guy who was handling production was walking behind saying stay fox has got the production now you are not going anywhere <laughs> so they ultimately got the film off the ground um Joe Pesci was uh surprisingly said yes to the film which people were very confused by uh, i think robert de niro said no but pesci said yes and this was also the year same year same year yeah which is god uh, which is a bit of a whiplash if you think about it right because you Seriously. have good i mean it's a great year for for joe pesci because you have range and i yeah. don't think he had the best time shooting this because a lot of it is very slapstick um yeah. uh comedy doesn't come across as a very slapstick guy <laughs> yeah he doesn't right and um, he has and and he kind of spoke to chris columbus about this about how when he gets a script he has a tendency to insert swear words in there because that's just how he talks and uh, obviously he's not allowed to swear in this film so the the points where he's muttering to himself in the film and he's and he's like speaking gibberish is him trying to overcome that side of him Can you imagine how how much better the movie would be if he was allowed to swear? Though <laughs> it would be infinitely. I mean, it's not a Christmas movie at that point, but it would be infinitely better. I mean, maybe you should. There should be like an R-rated version of Home Alone with yeah. Joe Pesci just swearing every every twenty five minutes. You think this is funny? Huh? You think this is fucking funny? <laughs> Yeah. so um film gets made i think they shoot it or shoot it in, in in a few weeks or in, in a couple of months chris columbus's directorial second feature i think his first yeah. film bomb yeah. uh and it ends up going going into theaters and is and the is it is number 1 at the box office for 14 weeks famously hated by Siskel and Ebert. Uh, these booby traps are nothing that any 8-year-old kid couldn't make if he had hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> and the special effects department of a movie working for him. <laughs> It's totally unrealistic. Right. And because it goes into that weird subplot of bobbing the burglars and the booby traps and so forth, it lost my interest. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the same time Home Alone 3 is uh, is probably Ebert's favorite Home Alone, so make of that what you will. Yeah. Films are very subjective, yeah, so it's uh but like 
it like before this movie got the word of mouth it did sees clearly but reviewed it and this was a time where movie movie critics basically held the the fate of the box yeah. office of a film's box office performance by their hands right in their hands right so um in spite of that this film just skyrocketed to the top and then when the holidays rolled around kids started going to movie theaters and it became a, a box office smashing well, uh, i know you for a fact you did watch this in prep for this episode and i watched it when it released but there's a whole documentary series called movies that made us on netflix yeah. there's an episode on home alone i mean you guys should check out the documentary at large but even this episode in itself is very entertaining insightful it's it's a nice watch so just a recommendation out there i want to spend a quick minute on the the cast of this movie right um a lot of people who got their i would say first big break Uh, or you know they were exposed to the wider world through this movie kind of fell into obscurity but have you know found their way back to the limelight and it's a very nice narrative at least that's how i feel i mean first and foremost there is macaulay culkin uh had his share of troubles after that you know typical child star growing mm. up problems but the uh, child star i think yeah like the child star like, yeah he, he is mm. the template for child stars having problems mm. But uh, actually, you know, no, he, that that's wrong. That I I'd say Co- Corey Feldman is probably older than he is. Uh, yeah, and his problems were oh wow yeah most too, most child <laughs> stars seems to have similar problems. Let's not get yeah, into it too much, mm. but uh, but he's recently had his uh, Hollywood star of fame, uh, star on the sort of the walk of fame, and uh, he seems to be doing well in life. And then there's Catherine O'Hara, who at least for me. her most famous movie role was uh, playing Kevin's mom although she was in Beetlejuice like abhi rightly said um she has uh, come back into the limelight found a whole new set of uh, fans through her role as Moira in Shit's Creek so uh, there's there's uh, her um obviously uh, Macaulay's younger brother Kieran Culkin who who plays his cousin in the movie Fuller uh, yeah uh, Fuller McAllister uh again that's where i'd first seen him he's been on and off in some roles obviously but again uh, he again has found you know his own uh, place in the yeah, television just like catherine o'hara playing uh, roman in succession is this nice you know when people who you've seen say 30 years back in a completely different avatar they you see them again and you enjoy them in a whole other way so i just thought i'd spend a minute talking about that but yeah i mean that's that's Stuff from behind the scenes of Home Alone. Before you wrap up BTS, I think we need to just quickly talk about the movie within the movie. I think it's called Angels with Filthy Souls. Uh, the the gangster flick play, playing yeah. on the television that is used in in several gags. And is this the first uh, what do you call time we've the the phrase "keep the change, you filthy animal" is keep the ever change, uttered? you filthy animal. Yeah, like, is it and from here? I, is it like it is? It is. It is. It is. Hmm. And. it's it, that phrase has now gone beyond the film right people just cannot yeah. keep copying it yeah so yeah i i and i'm very convincing right uh, for the longest time i i felt they were just they didn't have to like shoot a fake movie they could have just taken uh, an existing yeah. ip and played that but yeah they took the you know they went the extra mile to actually shoot that fake film mm-hmm. But yeah, that's BTS. Uh, we've spoken about the movie a lot, but what is the story? I mean, you want to give our listeners a quick run through. Our listeners, sure. Mm, uh, 
so the McAllisters are all home for the Christmas holidays, uh, and um, I think Father McAllister's brother is visiting with his family, and Kevin uh, is being a spoiled troublemaking brat, fighting with everybody in the house, and then he causes a bit of chaos with when a box of pizza boxes of pizza arrives, and uh, his mother banishes him to the attic, but they are leaving to Paris the next day. But unfortunately, they end up oversleeping and. Uh, in a weird case, they forget about Kevin, who's asleep in the attic. Because during uh, during a time when they're counting heads, they accidentally uh, count the head of the of the neighbor. I think one of the Murphy kids. And uh, as a result, they leave Kevin behind. So Kevin is all home alone. And it just so happens that there are a bunch of um, thieves, two thieves called the Wet Bandits, who are <laughs> basically robbing the rich during uh, during the Christmas break because nobody's home. Uh, and uh, they ultimately stumble upon on Kevin and who takes it upon himself to to protect the house. But I think all of this starts because Kevin, or rather Kevin wishes that his family weren't around anymore and then he gets his wish the next day. And it's his journey of coming to terms with the fact that he, his family is the, the most important thing in life for him. Plot-wise, it's, it's, it's not a very plot-heavy film. The setup is uh, intriguing enough uh, for you to get invested in it. And I would say the last 45 minutes or the latter half of the movie is just, the plot is two people trying to get in. It's just the screenplay and the gags, right? It's all about the gags. I mean, if, if you take the gags out of this movie, it's not funny at all, right? No, not at all. Because so like, the irresponsible gags, parents have left their kid alone. So there's abandonment. And then there's robbers coming in. If if you didn't, if you hadn't watched Home Alone, purely on the basis of the plot description you gave, they're like, "Fuck, this seems like a dark movie." Yeah. And then you watch it, like, "Oh, it's all gags. It's, it's all." Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to commend the screenplay for uh, pulling that off, right? Because mm-hmm. the script is not funny. It's the screenplay that brings the humor, right? Screenplay and yeah. and the visual uh, humor element. Anyway, I, I also have a version of uh, what Home Alone would be if. Uh, Kevin was a little more grown up, but I'll, okay. I'll get to that uh, towards the end of the pod. Abhin is already cringing, okay. but uh, I'm, I'm doing this. Thinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking, but, thinking of uh, what, what awaits me. That's, that's the plot. Let's quickly get into memorable moments. Let's talk about uh, what do you remember the most? What made you laugh the hardest or what did you relate to the most? I think for me, the fire gag is, is perfect because Joe Pesci's face as the fire lights, as, as his headlights on, fake headlights on fire is, is hilarious. <laughs> Most of the gags in this film are kind of hilarious. The, the Of course, the iron uh, swinging onto Marv's face and knocking him off the staircase. And yeah, the print for the rest of the film is just genius. Yeah, so I, I think Marv gets some of the best laughs. You've got him in the, yeah. in the basement. Uh, with the nail, I don't like like nail uh, yeah. nail gags or like this thing, but it's played played quite funnily. Um, besides that, I think for me, uh, one of the my most memorable moments is probably to do with the old man uh, who's old, yeah, and think even at the start, he's the old his neighbor, right? Who's supposed to be yeah. Yeah. Uh, this thing, and the old man, and if you notice, the old man has a has a wound yeah. at the start of the film, which keeps healing throughout the film and it's some sort of symbolism for time healing most things and it's just mm. and I really and really liked that 
um second uh, the, the church scene i i quite like because it's not because i'm religious or anything and far from it if you know my my beliefs but it just feels nice it feels like these two people bonding these two guys who've had a misunderstanding of each other it it felt like one of those genuinely nice moments in in the film and i don't know the actor i forget the actor's name but he speaks about he's had a a pretty big career but people come up to him and say you're the guy from from home alone and that made him really happy um, yeah. because i don't think he got a lot of recognition through through most of his his years if he did i'm sorry i will probably go through filmography and feel like an idiot after but um, that's this is what uh, i've read uh another memorable moment sequence is obviously the uh, is everything with Catherine O'Hara like of course Macaulay Culkin is the star of this film but Catherine O'Hara and every scene that she's in yeah. is scene scene stealing like from That's her realization true. of uh yeah that scene is brilliant when she's like on the plane she's like i can't believe i i keep thinking we've forgotten something uh and her husband john heard is like i think we've i forgot to close the garage and then she says yeah garage yeah yeah and then she jumps back in her seat and goes kevin kevin that's uh uh those are a few and of course the the aftershave is yes. sequence is something we have done we've all done at some point yeah and we've all had, we all we know exactly how that feels yeah um, poor edward munch getting upstairs by a kid <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing that was a reference. That must be a reference, right? It could be, no, possibly. Is. Yeah. Coincidental is is a bit hard to believe. It must be. No, apparently, uh, it is. It, it's a coincidence because he was supposed to remove his hands. So he's supposed to put his hands, then remove, and then go ah. But then he kept his hands there and then went for it. So either Macaulay Culkin is a huge Edward Munch fan at the age of nine, or it's it is wonderful coincidence. You never know with these child star types, dude. They're, they're yeah, born yeah. or they come out of the womb all cultured. Yeah, putting John Milton in the crib, you know. <laughs> But yeah, what, they, that's the other thing. I I recall a lot of his co-stars saying, even at that young age, like art references aside, he had a great sense of uh, cinema or you know cinematic. Well, what is cinematic, right? Which I think you can't teach. He just knew, hey, if I if I do this this way, it'll have greater impact and. for a kid to give that sort of feedback to the crew or whoever they were working with seems like a, he seemed like a very confident young man who knew his uh, his art so i'm i'm not surprised that that input came from him right and this would have hold my face and, and yeah hmm. probably it's on the poster it's it's if there was one visual image or el- like element to be uh, emblematic of the film it would be that right and, and yeah. that, that was his input so that's amazing um uh, yeah again i i you know it's hard to really pin down memorable moments like you said because all of those gags are memorable but largely it's those uh, and that doesn't really make sense for us to sit down and spend time describing those gags but that's what you remember the most right? and for that reason this movie has to be seen you can't really have yeah. someone describe it to you you really have to watch it to enjoy it but um, there's that the other scene i'd add is uh, uh towards the end of the film he comes back and uh, that uh, old man is in the garage tied up and he comes and puts the blanket on him again that's a very nice touching scene and, and you know it sort of completes the arc because at the start of the movie they show the old man so f- forebodingly it's almost like he has jaws music whenever he's on screen <laughs> right 
to go from that to see the walls break down in the church scene and for it to come full circle and Kevin actively take care of him. It's a very nice uh, arc for the two of them. So uh, that's another scene that's very vivid in my mind. Uh, but yeah, other than that, like you rightly said, a lot of gags, a lot of very nice... As I'm thinking back to the movie, I'm just, my mind is being enveloped by this warm, cozy fog of nostalgia that I'm I'm trying my best to not uh, get swayed by. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think in terms of memorable moments, I think we've covered pretty most much most of, of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Coming okay, to let's move the on. themes. Mm. What, what What is the biggest theme in the movie that you sort of took away? I think what the biggest theme is possibly family. I don't have friends. I got family. Don't, I was like, don't say family. I mean, so Karan Johar. Family. This, this is no Karan Johar means Vin Diesel. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> this is this is the the bedrock upon which family films are made. Uh, obviously, it's the one that hits you in the face with the most, right? Yeah. It's about how it's all about your family. It's about you may hate each other, you may get annoyed with each other but at the end of the day nobody loves you more than your family so yeah. that that is of course the bigger one of the bigger themes and and another thing that stood out to me is is just how just how just how much childlike innocence glazes over the, the harsh realities of the world mm. like because kevin's a nine-year-old who doesn't know better and he just thinks what he's doing is hilarious like he, he's not questioning his every motive. Like he's well and truly in the moment. And as a child, you never think too far ahead. You just you're always living moment to moment. And and this is probably at the expense of two uh, poor robbers who are trying to scrape together what they can for the holiday season. And that's a whole other conversation altogether. So, what the hell you're saying? Like the capitalist system has reduced them to stealing houses because because they yes. can't like. Wow. Of course. <laughs> Flip the script, make it about the yeah. robbers, and just shoot exactly. the arcade board and let them let all I need was twenty dollars. Hit me in the face with the iron. Imagine probably those guys don't have insurance as well. That guy's head is gone. Uh, yeah. Joe Pesci is yeah. There's going to be like a, an iron mark on still on Marv's face for. for and just imagining the movie set in SF with its homeless problems and get on it up and let's 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 bang that script out. Uh, done, let's do it home. <laughs> and it's the whole of this uh, startup, Yapi Chuth, who has just got his secondaries from his fundraise and his living mm-hmm. life, and these two homeless people who just want to eke out a living just want his Tesla. They just want to flick his no. Tesla, and this guy won't let, <laughs> let them do that. Flip the script, there you go. And call it Home I mean... Elon. <laughs> Oh God, I'm gonna help. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's a that's a that's a good way to look at it. Um, I also I also uh, wanted to add a bit on the family uh, point that you made, right? I mean jokes apart, yes. And I did mention myself that uh, festivals can be stressful because there's extended family, there's a bunch of people who you probably meet once or twice a year, uh, and you have to be like you know you have to play nice, but. Uh, Outside of that, your your core family, we do take them for granted. It, it happens, and right? it's human nature. Mm-hmm. However much you want to prevent against it, it's natural. I remember, I know you've gone through that uh, when you moved to New York 
uh, I remember when I moved out of uh, Bangalore to go to Bombay for my MBA. Uh, all of that bravado you have, you know, I'm I'm a, a grown-up person. I'm independent. I'm all of that. The first night you spend away from family in a new house in a new bed, all of that bravado vanishes, right? You're just like shit. I'm like none of the things that give me comfort are here right now, and it's not and it's not as much the possessions; it's the people that give you that comfort, right? So. in those moments you really uh, come to appreciate the family that you have so the message this movie has is evergreen um it's a message we sometimes forget but life gives us better reminders of it now and then uh, yeah and especially uh, now that we are we are getting at that age where our parents also you know getting on in years old, i know yeah. thankfully it's still uh, far down the line but those thoughts start coming into your mind you're like and cherish the time you have left with them also the other point you made right i think it's a brilliant way to put it i uh, it it just opened my eyes to there's a parallelism that you can look at right what we were talking mm. about between the script and the screenplay the script is uh, it sounds very morbid but the humor is where the screenplay is where the humor comes in hmm there's a, there's a parallelism there for how in reality the situation kevin was in was pretty fucked up but because his childlike innocence helped you know sort of paper over the fact that he was essentially abandoned by his family and he made a game out of what was essentially a very morbid situation that is exactly you know the script was a screenplay conversation we were having so the screenplay is in essence the the childlike curiosity or the innocence or uh, how he was able to you know put a fun spin on what was essentially a a uh, pretty messed up situation so great point there i mean i mean that really opened my eyes as to how i could um, reconcile with the dichotomy of the script and the screenplay for this movie right i think it's the childlike yeah. innocence that is at mm. the heart of uh, the way kevin approaches the situation the other thing i want to talk mm. about is uh, irresponsible parenting right that is that is the <laughs> an unavoidable theme of this movie like how do you miss a kid right it's not a packet of chips how do you miss a kid twice no oh. less <laughs> yeah and at the second time somebody is calling cps right yeah the second time this happened these people have too many children they are yeah. able to take care of their kids something needs to be done they need an intervention i i mean i'm sure our parents at some point have forgotten to pick us up from places at least mine have I remember this point where a couple of when i was in 10th standard i was just waiting outside the school gate and up until 7:30 nobody showed up and then my mom is like mom and dad just show up hysterical like where are you as a like, cabin here you told me to wait here i've been waiting here <laughs> and she is like oh i somebody i thought he was picking you up and then i thought the driver was picking them up and then we come home and you're not there and so i was like i don't know i've just been here i mean i know i knew i know where i live but yeah but at the same time if i walk home I, at 10 years old i've had it so yeah no, no. i mean that has happened to me once i guess as well uh when mm. they they clean forgot that they had to pick me up no. but yeah. to put that in in context right imagine if your parents were to call you 6 hours later and you're like where are you pick me i'm like oh we're in paris sorry bye <laughs> this is what happens in the mood i don't think this movie like works in indian setting because the moment like you call up someone be like oh you're like this one family member is always in town they will show up to your house 
Yeah, they'd be like, oh, we forgot you. It's fine. We will call uh, fine. Uh, this so, so chikappa so, so, or so, so, this chacha ji. Yeah. They'll come and Done. So, order it. Oh, oh, I'm not alone. Correct. <laughs> yeah, just being <laughs> force-fed food and like, hmm. you know, you're happy. Like, you come around and say, it's hmm. fine. And yeah. They let me watch cartoons here. You don't even hmm. let me watch cartoons at home. I can exactly. do whatever I want. They're giving me hmm. puri sa- palya every day. Sorted, yeah. bro. You take your time. You want to go visit uh, another country? You want to go to Spain? Also, no, come, come. I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to school. It's not even vacation. I'm just chilling. I'm bunking school. <laughs> uh, But yeah, I think even thematically, we broadly covered the themes of the film. It's it's not a very theme heavy film. The main theme is family and Christmas, right? I mean, yeah, we uh-huh. didn't talk about. we did spend some time talking about christmas at the start but uh, that's the other overt theme in this movie right it's it's coming together at christmas that chant song i mean if you are i'm very happy for you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> But yeah, it's it's all about how um, family uh, is brought together. Constant. I'm just trying to avoid. <laughs> just trying to avoid. <laughs> it's just of it's how the festive period brings families together, and okay, uh, I'm guessing you resonate more with it if you're uh, a wasp in America. You know, the movie is the the characters are these white Americans. Mm. Just guessing there. Anglo-Saxon Protestants, but what? Right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's meant for that demographic. I'm guessing. Again, I'm going out on a limb here. I I might be very wrong, uh, but this movie may not appeal to say African Americans as much. I'm sure they have their own set of Christmas movies. Um, it doesn't appeal as much to us because I mean, for us, Christmas itself is uh, not entirely mm. in the picture. But yeah, the, the, it was meant for this core demographic. It has found some universal appeal. Uh, yeah. But I'm guessing for that core demographic, this is like ticking all of the boxes, right? Like pretty much like the prototypical festive movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's um, those are the themes I had in mind. Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's about it. This film is not deep. It doesn't pretend to be deep. It's it's exactly what you get uh, on the box, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Mm. So, as the last section, we have um, what if X were to do Y. Uh, before we get to that, we we've, we've got a choice uh, selection for uh, our interpretation of who would direct this film. Before that, I'm going to take a shot at it, uh, okay. which is if if the same movie was set with Kevin being uh, he's what nine in the movie. Say if he was just yeah. five years older, right? Say he's fourteen. He is. Let's uh, say fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, I mean there are some early starters, but <laughs> uh, say he's fourteen, fifteen. He's discovering the Wonderland that is his body, and uh, he is uh, home alone. <laughs> his parents are in Paris for a week. Now imagine a fifteen-year-old boy home alone. He's got cable. He's got tissues. He's got. Uh, some form of lubrication i think no i think and they kind of allude to it a little bit no in in buzz's room they find he finds buzz's magazines yeah so he also yeah. has the material even if you don't have tv mm-hmm. you know you make do 
yeah and the time comes and okay but so uh, <laughs> now in this situation imagine harry and mark trying to break into the house and they walk into the living room they like hey let's let's pick some things of the mantelpiece and then just off of the living room in the tv room they hear loud moans out of the top of the tv and they just see kevin spread eagled on the sofa chafed raw just going at it like mountain of tissues next to him and harry and mark decide you know what i am okay with homelessness for just a little longer i need to get the fuck out of whatever this situation is and that is home alone with kevin mcallister as a 15 year old you're saying the only thing that would have stopped uh what do you call uh, the robbery was uh, a preteen or like a rather preteen a teenager in the throes of puberty absolutely i mean nothing is scary at that point you have to come back with a pair of gloves you don't know what he's done where right it's <laughs> also fair and I a black light rohit is rohit is just giving you oh wow um, i always say this to friends like if you're going to stay in a hotel that's slightly off this thing just take a black light and go with you because you don't know what yeah. is where or if exactly. you're renting a new apartment just just be very careful Okay, is, let's quickly move on from this. Yeah, so that, that we get away from now. You have that image in your head, guys. Enjoy. When it comes to what if X were to do Y, uh, we decided, hey, nice family festive movie, you know, nostalgic spirit of Christmas. How can we fuck this up? <laughs> so we decided to ask Chat GPT uh, to imagine itself being uh, Argentinian. The Argentinian, the Argentinian director mm-hmm. Gaspar Noé. and known for his famously lighthearted movies uh, where nothing bad happens people are very cheerful you know it's very well lit i'm being sarcastic guys he makes fucked up films so like what if gaspar noe were to uh, gaspar noe were to make uh, home alone right and mm. this is what chat gpt had to say so the setting is that um, the macallister family home has become a haunting and labyrinth mansion with long eerie hallways dimly lit rooms and unsettling decor the suburban neighborhood takes on a surreal and disorienting atmosphere enhancing the feeling of isolation firstly this what the fuck characters yeah. kevin mcallister is portrayed as a complex and tormented child grappling with inner demons that manifest in terrifying ways the burglars harry and mab are reimagined as malevolent entities that may exist only in kevin's fractured mind I just want to know firstly, like, what is in Gaspar Noe movies? I've only watched half of one of them, and I'm just like, this is which no. which one? What's the one with the top top down? The entire movie is like from top down and goes... irreversible. No, no, not irreversible. Irreversible also top down. Yeah, I think I watched with the top down, and then yeah, it keeps yeah, going, I... and the camera keeps turning. Huh? Correct. I think I watched like a few minutes of those, and then I was like, cool, I'm a head out. I I don't want like. I watched Timex. I watched Love, and I've seen one more, which I'm forgetting. Irreversible. I started, and everyone keeps saying it's possibly the worst thing you can do for yourself because it's very graphic in this thing. Uh, yeah, so I have. I have seen it like, cool. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, surprisingly, Vincent Cassel and Malhika Bharuchi met on that and got married. It was make of that what you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a fair few, but I, I, I mean, I'm very. <laughs> I'm very amused by his criteria on closet uh, door where he walks in. One of my very favorite movies ever. 
I have it on DVD, but I don't have it on Blu-ray, so I'm sure there are extras that I have never seen. <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> I'm like, that's all you need to know about Gaspar Noah. Yeah, checks out. So here's the yeah. plot of Gaspar Noah's Home Alone. As Kevin's family departs for their holiday vacation, the film takes a sharp turn into psychological horror. Kevin's solitude becomes a descent into madness with his fears and anxieties coming to life. The home becomes a nightmarish playground where reality and hallucination blur. Throughout the film, Gaspar Noah employs his signature visual and narrative techniques, including disorienting camera work, long takes and jarring sound design. The audience is taken on a disturbing journey into Kevin's psyche, experiencing the terror and confusion that accompanies his unraveling mental state. I don't think this version of the movie even requires Harry and Marv, dude. Kevin is fucking himself up. Like, I mean, they're, and, they're, no, they're, they're like these two things on his shoulder. They're just <laughs> then, yeah, yeah. and they're just like uh, an audience to this. is watching like, bro, this kid is fucked up. <laughs> what was happening? Uh, this kid needs help, right? And, uh, and I, honestly, this is more closer to reality, right? If you leave a kid at home, this is likely, more likely to happen than what happens in the movie. Yeah. So, anyway, coming to themes. Alone in the Abyss. Oh, by the way, uh, Chan GPT said this movie should, if Gaspar Noah to direct it, would be called Alone in the Abyss, not Home Alone. Clearly, that, that gives you an indication of what we're dealing with here, right? So, Alone in the Abyss explores themes of loneliness, childhood trauma, and the thin line between reality and imagination. The film delves into the psychological impact of neglect and abandonment. True. Highlighting the vulnerability of a child left to confront their demons alone. Super true. Actually, you know what? Like, you not want to make this movie worse. What? Is that you make the like somebody has accidentally like one of the uncles has accidentally spiked one of the the milk bottles with LSD. So Kevin is just drinking milk <laughs> and he's on an acid ball. <laughs> In true oh. Gasparino style, I think. I think climax yeah, also is basically correct. a bunch of dancers take ecstasy. Or take LSD. LSD and then they their whole perception of reality is warped. Yeah, they lose their mind mm. and they start going game shit. But yeah, mm. that's that's Gaspar knows home alone. I kind of like it. Mm, I'd, I'd, I'd watch, watch it. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I watch him turn the dark game on the end of again. the movie. And then run into John Kramer at the end of the movie. I want to play yeah, a game. I watched that. that. Yeah. Maybe Kevin grew okay. up to be Pixar. Possibly. I mean, it's a very strong possibility. I mean, the, it's there, right? Games and like fucked up games which hurt you. Kevin is Jigsaw. That's a that's a double feature. Home Alone and, and Saw 1. So there's Gaspar Noe's Home Alone and Home Elon. I'm, I'm interested in both. Yeah, I would, I would watch Home Elon for sure. <laughs> Home Elon is where it's at. Yeah. Try to think of a tagline that has something to do with electric, but I'll, I'll, I'll come up with it. I'm sure. Okay, so we'll, so we'll stick it on the on the fake poster. We end up making. We're not making any posters. <laughs> we had this. This episode has to go out on Christmas Day. It'll be extremely minimal tight. and roll and we are tight, and our end is going to be out there. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, our home alone. If you guys feel that there's something we missed. Uh, if you guys feel uh, there's something you wanted us to talk about or you want to talk about, uh, there'll be a section on the episode as well, right? A bit non Yeah, yeah. Which tells you what tells us what you want to talk about, what you thought of the episode, 
just let us know and we'll we'll take it from there also before we wrap this up i kind of want to give a quick shout out to uh, the stunt team on this film i don't think this film works without the stunts uh, because these guys go up for massive air time and land really hard so and not a lot of appre- and not a lot of appreciation happens for good stunts yeah. these days or even back in the day right so props to the stunt the stunt team that sold those uh, those acts so well i agree i agree i mean this movie is made because of the stunt team wouldn't exist yeah. because of exactly i'm glad you remember to do that uh, hmm. important but yeah yes. that's that's uh, home alone um we will be back next week with probably a new year's themed episode i hope yeah and or i guess i mean what have i got or I guess that that's how we that's how we operate here i've been messages yes. today before movie name question mark i'll be like yes or vice versa and uh-huh. like cool uh-huh. i'll see you on the recording we'll figure it out spitball it that's yeah, basically what it is so we'll see you hopefully for new years uh until then take care see you bye bye happy holidays happy holidays <laughs>